Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to What Future? I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Nothing's on my mind. My mind is absolutely uh, vacant at this point. I'm so drained of ideas. I'm so drained of inspiration right now. I'm a husk. I'm a shell of a person. Like, I'm walking around. It looks like a person. I'm talking. I'm doing things. And yet, inside, there's just nothing. It's empty. It's hollow in here. And uh, I'm just very tired. You know, it's the end of January. I tried to do dry January. I failed. Dry January became wet January. And and I have to say, it makes me a lot happier to drink. And, you know, maybe that is a bad sign. Maybe that's, maybe that means there's something wrong with me. But there's something wrong with everybody. I mean, it's not just me. It's all people have a problem. And some people fill that problem up with vodka. And some people, you know... I've, I don't know what other people do because I'm I'm not going to make assumptions about humanity or not. Maybe I'll make assumptions about humanity, just not individual people that make up humanity. Anyhow, uh, this has nothing to do with the fantastic guest that we have on the show today, who hopefully, if he is not already a household name, he should become a household name. Of course, I'm talking about, and you don't know, I say, of course, like, you know who exactly who I'm talking about, but it could be literally anybody. But I'm talking about a fascinating and hilarious man named Dallas Goldtooth. You may have seen his work on the show Reservation Dogs, and he's here with me now.
So I'm going to say a few things about you. You're an actor. Is that true? I am. In some, in some circles, they would say yes. A writer. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. An activist and organizer, true or false? Uh, I would say true. Okay. Uh, Co-founder of the 1491s comedy group? Yes. Okay. Wow, man, that was intense. I felt that well, was Hold like, on, but all right. now, before we get into all the interesting stuff, how much sleep did you get last night? How many hours of sleep did you get? <laughs> I got two and a half hours of sleep. Maybe three. No. I think three. Yes. Why? Yeah. Why would you only sleep for three hours? Because I... I am horrible at time management. I've always been. Mm. And I'm a procrastinator. And I am working on a draft for season three of Reservation Dogs, which I'm a writer on. And so I have to work on a draft. I had to turn in an outline for another show that I'm pitching with a buddy of mine. And we're trying to get into development. And in between those two projects, which I needed to get done, I decided to play some video games in, in, in a good procrastinator way. So, um, yeah, it was a late night. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This opens up a lot of avenues of question, but I'm going to start with the thing that I'm most interested at this moment is what game were you playing? And at what time were you playing it? As like one in the morning, I was playing a game called hell let loose. It was world war two first person shooter game. Hell let loose. I've, I've never heard of this game. Yeah. This is a new game. Is it an old game? Uh, it's like about three years old. Hell let loose. I'm looking I'm looking at this right now. Hold on. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm a huge gamer. So, oh, interesting. It's a first person shooter. It's one of those, like, it's in the realm of like realistic, meaning like one shot, one kill thing. Oh, and yeah. It's a tactical game. You have to work with your squad to actually achieve objectives. I like it. The fact that it's like you have to communicate with people. So you can't just go in and be like, ah, oh, I'm just going to shoot. Click, 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 click. You actually have to work as a squad, as a team. Oh, so this looks good. Yeah. So this is a game like. You're a soldier. It's World War II. Is that what you said? Yep, yep. World War II. It, you are. What, what side are you on? Hold on. Let's make sure this is. You're on. What side are you fighting for in this game? You get the pick. You get, it's a multiplayer. Oh, really? Game, yeah. You could be. You could be a Nazi in this game. You could be a Nazi. You could be American. You can be Russian. <laughs> Holy fuck! Yeah. Really? Wow, that's very. That's very spicy. That's very hot stuff. Yes. Hot button shit. All right. Okay. So <laughs> you're a soldier, and it is. Um. Sorry, I know this is not what you came to talk about. <laughs> no, I, talk about anyway. I came to talk about anything and everything. <laughs> I'm here. Great. So it's one in the morning. You fire up Hell Let, Let Loose. What platform are you playing on, by the way? Uh, PC. I'm a, I'm a P- PC. Oh, you're a PC gamer. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. We already have so much in common. Nice. I love PC gaming. Okay, hold on. Before I go, be, uh, go off on a tangent. Okay. But I, I'm also very ADAD, ADHD, whatever acronym it is. So I'm oh. super random. So I'm. Just, I, if you give me the space, I'm going to take you on tangents here. And I'm just, just the way it goes. Well, guess what? <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Uh, like severely ADD. So this is going to be a nerve shattering hell ride for all of the listeners. Yes. So, okay. It's one in the morning. You fire up hell at loose. Uh, is it called hell at loose? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. And y- you have a, you have team members you play with like, like online. Yeah. Yeah. I decided to join a gaming clan. So it's actually a community, a group of gamers who all play the game hell let loose. And last night was the first time we actually played as a squad. So it was a bunch of folks all on the game together and we were just talking, hanging out, getting to know each other because we never really played together as a squad. And uh, that was kind of cool. I've come to a point in my life where one is I don't have a lot of time to game. So right. it's usually late at night, kids are asleep and I'm stressed out. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to play some games. And because of the nature of my work, actually, I find myself looking for camaraderie 
right? Finding a team, a squad is enticing to me and to hold a space with other folks um, rather than just, you know, playing with a bunch of randoms. For me, this is what I need and want right now. Are they people you know, or these are just people you met? I have no clue who they are. Yeah. They're just all coming together, like on the internet. Yeah. The squad I was playing with last night, there was a Nigerian dude, there was a Russian player, and then there was like two guys from like, like Fort Lauderdale. (laughs) Of course. And Florida men, this uh, woman from Phoenix. So we're, everyone is everywhere. Yeah. See, this is like one of those stories. It's like the internet is so beautiful. Like this is such a, because mm-hmm. most of the stories, and we talk about this a lot on this, on this podcast, like the internet is a pretty ugly place, but that's like a beautiful part of the internet. I'm curious, like, so how long did you play for? I put in about 45 minutes. Oh, that's it. Okay. You were in and out. Yeah. 45 minutes. It was a short, it was a short game. Yeah. In and out. And do any of these people know that you're on a, like a nationally or internationally airing television show? No. Okay, interesting. You don't bring that up in casual conversation. I, I like. don't bring it up in casual conversation. I'm I'm curious. Actually, I've been thinking about whether I bring it up or at what point do I bring it up. But you should be like this. Reminds me of um that when we were shooting the scene on my on my show recently, just like that. Like like they know it's like no big deal. I feel like the fun way is. Have you guys ever seen this show? What do you think about it? What do you think about this actor on this show named Dallas Goldsmith? Oh, <laughs> what if they're like, oh, I fucking hate that guy. He's so annoying. I'll be like, oh, I got to go. Then you're going to have to leave the clan. I'm leaving the clan. I'm burning the clan down. You don't want to bounce out of the clan. Okay, so you got three hours of sleep or something. You're writing on season three of Reservation Dogs, which we're going to talk about, and something new. And then you were like, I got to play some video games. The family's asleep. You fire up the PC. So you didn't go to bed till like, what, three in the morning or something? Yeah, yeah, three in the morning. Okay. Are you normally a night owl? Uh... I don't want to be, but I am. Yeah. My wife and I, we have, we have five kids and they all stay oh, up late. We have a whole crew. We, we have the whole range. We have a three-year-old and we have a 21-year-old. Oh my God. That's a crazy so, range. That's the range we're dealing with. <laughs> Does the 21-year-old, you got to put the 21-year-old to work, like babysitting and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like babysitting, watching the kids, all that stuff. Wow. Our youngest is in night also like. We've been struggling to try to get him on a sleep schedule so that he falls asleep earlier, but he ends up staying up later. Mm. So, and then I get up and get the kids up in the morning. So that's why I didn't get my sleep because I had oh, to get really? up in the morning. I like yes. that. Yeah. Now that's daring. I have to tell you, and I'm bad at this. I'm not a morning person. I am a night owl and, um, and my wife definitely gets up. Oh, we only have one kid. So it's way, probably way simpler. Boy, if I knew I had to get up and there were like going to be five, it, well, hold on. Let's see. You got a 21 year old, so you don't have to worry about the 21 year old. What's the next age down from 21? We have three that are, I have 10 year old, a 14 year old and a 15 year old. Okay. And so those, those are the ones I got to get up and get them right. and get them out the door. Right. Especially the teens. Teens need a lot of sleep. Oh. There's a whole thing. It was like, we make like school really early for teenagers, but like the, all the scientific studies show that they actually need a lot more sleep and we're yeah. like robbing them of their precious hours. Yeah. So, but I don't know. But that's you know that's not your that's not your problem. You just gotta get the kids up. Uh, okay. So, all right. What did you have for breakfast? What was your what was you? How do you how do you like energize for the day ahead? Well, I I love cooking for my family. I'm not a good cook, but I love cooking. It's like my love language is cooking. I'm not a good cook, but I like cooking. You haven't gotten good at it, but you want to you want to express yourself in that way. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and also, I make it a thing as I cook for my kids before they go to school every morning. So I make them food and then I make their lunches. And so this morning, I just did something simple, just eggs, bacon, and then bagels, like toasted bagels with some cream cheese. That's a classic. Yeah. So that's what I had this morning. 
I'm going to have dinner. That sounds really good. All right. So moving on from your night owl and your gaming and your breakfast situation. So you are on the show Reservation Dogs, on which it's on FX. You also write for it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like set the show up. Like talk about the show. Like for somebody who's never seen it. And I started watching it because I knew that we were going to talk. I had been on my list and I'm like, oh shit, like that's got to move to the top of the queue. And it is a super funny and super like heartfelt show. But can you talk about a little bit like for somebody who's never seen it, like what the setup is? Yeah, it is a coming of age story. It follows five indigenous teens in Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma, who go through the trials and tribulations of being a teenager and also dealing with the aspects of grief and uh, having lost a friend to tragedy and it's a comedy it's, it, but it's really like as you said really um immersed in emotion and a lot of feelings about how do we build community and how how do we stay healthy as a community when we're dealing with tragedy and hardships and guilt and loss and all those other feels that come with life we just completed our second season this last fall and we're now currently writing the third season so and in my character i play spirit uh, AKA William Knife Man, and I'm an uh, I'm a spirit. I'm a spirit helper. I provide assistance, and you could I use assistance very loosely, and you will know why if you watch the show. To one of the characters, the main character is a young man who is trying to find himself and understand what it means to be a man. He's like, you know, 15, 16 years old, and he is still trying to figure out what it, what does it mean to be a quote unquote warrior. Right, and like I gotta say, like when when you first appear in the show. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm going to like, you know, be a fanboy or whatever. The character is a hilarious, just a <laughs> hilarious vibe of a character. Uh, the thing I was struck by is like, it's kind of playing on the trope of like, I mean, you see in a lot of like popular culture, pop media, especially like not made by indigenous people, like where there's this character, like the Native American character who is like the guide or is going to like tell you what's going on or like explain like the truth mm-hmm. about something. Your character is kind of like... It's hard, hard to articulate, but it's kind of like fucking with that idea. It's kind of like, in a way, making fun of the idea, mm-hmm. but also like not fully not embracing that part of it where there is like knowledge there, there is like history, there is like a message to impart, but like you're definitely having fun with that trope. Is that, was that like, as you conceptualize this character part of it? Oh, absolutely. I think that there's a whole meta narrative to the show and, and, and I guess an intention as writers to take ownership of our stories and and that this show doesn't exist in a vacuum it very much we as writers as indigenous writers who folks all of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s we're well aware of how native people have been displayed on camera on on tv and on movies we're well aware of the stories that are told about us and so this show very much is mindful of that context of how stories have been told and maybe even continue to be told and we want to take ownership of that and say well fuck that we get to decide how we tell our own stories right you know and be subversive in that so very much my character is totally making fun at the stoic native american on a horseback who's here to give wisdom about one's life yeah it is uh very much a a a spoof of sorts just as a background like i got my training, I guess you could say, as as a performer doing sketch comedy and improv comedy with our comedy group I co-created, the 1491s. And 1491s are are all a part of the creative team for Reservation Dogs. The showrunner, Sterling Harjo, helped, you know, he was one of our co-creators of the comedy group. So 
we were able to bring in a lot of elements of the characters that we've been working on over years into the show. And Spirit is very much a amalgamation of these different characters who are over-the-top, hyper-masculine characters who have a lot of insecurities when they're being performative. <laughs> uh, it's all there. Right. Just the delivery is so... It's very modern. Mm-hmm. It's like part like, okay, it is that classic trope, right? And then it's also like you're just talking, like the vibe of it is very modern. And that mixture is also really interesting because it's like a very unexpected, like, you're like, no, I'm just fucking with you or whatever, like in the, like the first thing you're in, it's like, okay, like that character would not say it like that in the popular conception of like what we think of that. Yellowstone's version of that would not have that character. (laughs) Right. Or, right or the avatar version of that oh let's just you know put that out there we're going to talk about avatar actually i have an avatar conversation for you in a minute but for a second i want to stick on the show ai might be the most important new computer technology ever it's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested so buckle up the problem is that ai needs a lot of speed and processing power So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. 
good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You said you grew up in the 90s, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but we're, we're probably close in age. I'm 39. Oh, okay. You're much, much older than me. No, I'm kidding. That's you're actually much younger than me, and that's very upsetting. Uh, the, uh, the but like you grew up in like the Oliver Stone era, right? Like all, Oliver Stone is like one of these like directors who like over and over again is like using like indigenous people and as this like kind of prop in a way. I mean, he's one of many, but and maybe I don't know. Maybe Oliver Stone's like maybe he's doing it better than others, but. Is a lot of the comedy in the show or just like comedy you've done like a reflection of that just kind of having to push back against those like weirdly prevalent pop culture sort of ideas about who you are and, and, and who people are? Uh, yeah, I think really, really. Yeah, it's it is um, it's a matter of giving the opposite of what people expect. If I get up in front of a crowd and say, OK, I'm now going to share a Native American story. If this is your average quote-unquote American mainstream crowd here, I can literally draw on the board what the images that come to mind when I say that because that's what they've grown up with. That's what they learn every day. That's what they, it's been the story that's been told time after time, right? Right. Tell me what's on the board. What's the Native American story? Boom, you're seeing teepees. You're seeing Indians on horseback. You're seeing 1880s, right? You're seeing cowboys and Indians. What you see, first thing, is a story that exists in the past as opposed to something that exists in the moment. Not only that, you're also seeing a very oversimplified version of what native means because, it, you know, there's over five, 500, 600 different distinct nations in this country. You know, I'm counting Canada, hundreds and hundreds of different cultures and languages. And all you know is teepees, right? You might know wigwams, you might know something else, but as a performer, I feel like as as me as as a as a Dakota man, my tribe, I'm Dakota, like I have to be well aware of that when I walk into the room because in some ways people are going to experience what I say, whether it's a joke, whatever. No matter what, there's a be a filter there that it passes through. And I find comedy in jamming up that filter as much as possible. We're like, yeah. whoa, 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 what the fuck is this? I didn't expect this. You know, yeah, I, I, I was not expecting this character or this person or this story. I was just thinking, like, it's also a tool, right? Because the fact that you are in control of like how you can subvert the expectation is a really interesting. And I think maybe it exists to some degree. I mean, like, you know, like I'm a I'm like a Jewish guy and I look very Jewish. And I'm sure when people, if I were to get up on stage and start talking about like my, you know, cranky Jewish parents or something, there'd be an immediate, you know, not the same thing. I'm not mm -hmm. saying there's a parallel, but like you have that whole set of tropes that people start to think of. Right. Yeah. And that's what like your character on the show is like subverting that in a way that is like so unexpected that it's, it's like immediately hilarious. But then you also start to go, Oh yeah. Right. Like I see this character in one way everywhere. 
And that's actually not the entirety or the extent of, of the story, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You mentioned Avatar, or I believe you mentioned Avatar. I was looking at your Twitter. I found a tweet that I think is quite interesting. It's an old tweet. Prescient, very prescient tweet, in my opinion. And I'm going to read it to you. I just want to get your thoughts on this. Tell me how you're feeling. Wait, is about it one this. of my, my old tweets or is it someone else's? Old I think tweet? it's one of your old tweets. I'm pretty okay. sure this is yours. This is some random tweet that I found. No, one of your old tweets. Okay. My most favorite recent Indian movie has got to be Avatar. I'm really looking forward to the return of Avatar 2, the return of John Smith's descendant. This is a tweet that you did maybe in like 2020, 2019. Yeah. Now, Avatar 2 is out. Okay. Yes, it is. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I actually just saw it two days ago. Oh, really? And I didn't have to pay for it because I'm in the Writers Guild uh, as a writer. You get all the screenplays and then they send you screeners. And so I got a code where I can go online and watch it streaming offline. Oh, wow. I need that code. It's for all the award seasons, right? So people can vote. Oh, it's nominated for Best Picture, right? Yes. So that's why I got it to watch it and i was like kelly i don't have to pay for it i'll do it here so i watched it here at home um i had to watch it in two sittings we can sit through it Um, it's a long movie it's like three it's a long movie we were we started watching it at 11 o'clock at night so like we we had to stop but i did see it i will say this and and this is like the context of that tweet hey i believe in your audience they're intelligent people they're they're only the most intelligent folks listen to what future podcast that's right? correct that is correct so what i'm about to say maybe are they're already on the same page but for those handful of folks out there it is pocahontas in space like verbatim is the same story it's even the same acronyms like the like colonizers come from a different planet to a new world to discover and obtain natural resources in the movie avatar it's jake sully j.s in Pocahontas, it's John Smith, J.S. Right. The Jake Sully, John Smith gets saved, encounters the princess, Pocahontas, Natiri. She saves him, right? She throws her body. No, don't kill him. Like, it's the same story. Right. It's, it's, it's Pocahontas. It's literally Pocahontas. Yeah, it's on purpose, right? That is the part of it, is that I think it is on purpose, but not for the same on purpose that you see reservation dogs having an Indian on horseback, like I, in my character, and I'm being very intentional where we are reclaiming that space and very mindful of the context of the images that we're putting in front of an audience and using that to subvert the conversation, to uplift communities who have been marginalized, who have been on the margins and uplift their voices to take over that space. Avatar didn't do that. It's just just telling you another Wild Wild West show story. And at the core root of it, it's another white savior story where the white man becomes Indian and then becomes more Indian than the Indians. And at the right. very end, he's saying, this is our land. And everyone's like, yes, thank you, white man, for becoming one of us and showing us the way to save our people. It's ridiculous. No, it's yet, crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts. But also, I enjoyed the movie because it's entertainment. So I'm like, I'm flying on dragons. I see it like, like that part. I'm like, I can't ignore the fact that this is still entertaining even though highly problematic. And I have <laughs> right. a lot of conflict with that. You can make a really fun movie that's also like reductive in a bunch of ways. And I mean, in fact, like probably some of the most fun movies, if we go back and look at them are full of shit, like, wow, that's yeah. fucking offensive or stupid or like really short-sighted or reductive. Absolutely. And you know how many movies now, like you go back and how many like, 
gay jokes or queer folks or trans folks were the butt of the joke that back in the day, I'm like, oh, that was funny. But now you're like, ooh, that doesn't age well. <laughs> no, I was watching the Gilmore Girls a couple of years ago, which I love, by the way. You know, these two women are the main characters and they're very progressive and or whatever. And like one of the characters, like that bag is gay or whatever. Like, and I'm like, this is from 2003 or four mm -hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, like that would not fly. I mean, that's a small thing, but you know, it's weird how just casual it was. It's so interesting. I, t I mean, so this is like stuff I've, I talk about with my parents because like their perspective is so, I'm a little bit more aware than they are. But like, you know, tr sometimes I'll be explaining it. It's like you're trying to explain like the systemic <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It's like they love this thing and you're like, well, let me explain how this is actually really fucked up. And like, it's very hard. It's hard to like, to pull back to all those different layers and see how we've just built this system of like a type of storytelling. Like Avatar is a perfect example. And that's why the Reservation Dogs is such an interesting new type of show. And I'm going to be very honest, like that's a world I don't feel like I know anything about. I don't know what's up mm -hmm. with like how, what's happening on reservations. I don't really know mm -hmm. the modern story of indigenous people in this country. Like we know the moments where it's like the Dakota Access Pipeline or like these like flashpoints or whatever, or when people are critical of something like Avatar and people are talking about it. But like, I think what's so fascinating about the show and so good about it is it just is like, it's like a modern story. Yeah, It pulls on all that stuff and, and even in some way has fun with it, like your character, but is also like resonating a lot of that history, right? But not like the Pocahontas story. It is something new. <laughs> And like, there's not that much new, right? That we're seeing in popular culture. Like the the character name thing in Avatar is kind of fucking me up. Like I never made that connection where it's literally the same initials and the same setup. And like, I haven't seen the new one. Maybe they progress it. Like, oh, Avatar G. No, no, it's, it's, it's just as problematic. The thing is, all right, this is, a, but it, it is an entertaining movie. James Cameron knows how to make a blockbuster. Yeah. And the technology is amazing. Like you are immersed in the world. It is fantastic to be swimming with like alien whales. <laughs> that happens. Okay. Yeah. But the issue that I have and a lot of folks have brought up is that it's not telling anything new. Like you said, it is, it is, how do I explain it? It's like, it is the same story. Colonizers come and they do bad things. And then, the original peoples, the indigenous peoples suffer and die. And because they are not able to adapt, quote unquote, is a, and it's all from a Western perspective. It's because they weren't able to adapt. They died. But there's one character is the white guy who becomes native. He knows how to adapt because he lives in both worlds and he's the savior. Here's the centerpiece of the story. Right. And <laughs> like movies do not exist in a vacuum. Everything is context. Whether you go in and you want to zone out, yes, there's some movies, zombie movies, where you can zone out. But hey, also zombie movies were created with a, a socially conscious theme at the very root of it. I mean, the first zombie movies were conversations about race and racism in the United States, and and so movies have a context to them. And with that context, you're saying something. And the fact that you're telling another story about indigenous peoples in a way that's that sucks what happened to them in the past. Yeah. What it does is it, it really limits the ability for indigenous voices now to say, well, we're existing now and we have stories we're telling now. Well, it's crazy how hard coded it is in like the people who are making it too, right? Again, I haven't seen the new one. 
I'm sure there are elements to it for sure. I, well, I saw the original and there are elements to it where you're like, wow, that's thrilling. Like you said, like James Cameron knows how to make a blockbuster. But like, it's very likely James Cameron was not thinking, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's like totally nefarious and was like, <laughs> like I'm going to just reuse this story and play on all these tropes because it's really effective. But probably more likely he kind of was like, I'm telling this. Maybe he even thought he was being like, I'm going to recontextualize the story. Oh, yeah, totally. So that a modern audience understands the the harm we've done, the white man has done to indigenous people or whatever. Meanwhile, he's just kind of like telling the white savior story version of that story. But it is kind of hard-coded in people that they they can't see past it. You know, it's like, I think all the time about J.K. Rowling, and I mean, she's got lots of problems, but I mean, I don't know how, how familiar you are with the Harry Potter universe, but mm-hmm. there's like a whole sub group of characters they run the banks in harry potter Mm -hmm. they have like big noses and they're like goblins and they're like fucking crazy jewish stereotypes like yeah bad and like she'd be like no these are just characters i created or whatever like i didn't that's not what i was doing and it's Mm -hmm. like no like you just took this like trope that exists and you recontextualized it or you thought you read or not even she didn't think about it but it's like, it's there. Yep. Like this thing is there. And that's kind of like, again, not, I'm not saying there's a, a direct parallel, but it is that idea that there's a certain type of creator that creates these massive properties that are like f- informing pop culture. And they're replaying these ideas that are mm-hmm. <laughs> like ancient ideas in a way, like really kind of stuck in this weird, you know, mode. Mm-hmm. My buddy, we were just talking about Harry Potter and you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, you know what? It's fucked up about it. He was like, I was just thinking about it. And, you know, Harry Potter is so fucking classist. He's like, look, everyone made fun of Harry Potter because he was poor. And his friend, Ron Weasley, they were seen as the poor kids. But Harry Potter's a trust fund kid. He has a fucking bank full of money from his parents. Oh, yeah. See, I started reading because, like, my daughter got interested in it. I'm like, yeah, let's read the books. I'd never read it. Because I always hated Harry Potter as a character because I'm like, oh, he's like, everybody's like, oh, he's important and he's special and he's been taking care of his whole life. And he came to Hogwarts and everybody's like, oh, you're Harry Potter. We love you. And it's like, I'm like, what's the struggle here? Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, like, dude, like has been protected by all of these powerful wizards because he's like the chosen one. And like, I'm supposed to feel what? Like, like what was feel he? For him? Yeah. Yeah. He had like some bad foster parents for a few years. Like. And now he's a celebrity. Anyhow, but this yeah. is in the weeds, perhaps, yeah, my, on the Harry Potter It's totally thing. in the weeds. Like, my buddy went down the rabbit hole where I was like, I don't know about that. He's like, Ron Weasley, exactly. Ron Weasley seen as poor, but his dad worked for the fucking Ministry of Magic. It's true. Like, it's his, true. Dad, his dad was like a G-man. His dad was like part of the top level. So, it's a good point. Anyway. I mean, that's only one. That's just one of the many problematic things about Harry Potter. You, yeah. I mean, it's fucking up and down <laughs> the line. The, the, the goblin shit is real, though. I mean, like, if you watch yeah. the movies, I watched the, When I watched the first movie, I was like, this is, it's like George Lucas. He had all these characters in the fucking new Star Wars movies that are like, oh, that's like a crazy Asian stereotype. This is a crazy Jewish yeah. stereotype. It's very much like the James Cameron thing where he clearly has internalized the shit, doesn't even realize it. And then spits it back out. It's like you feel like you're smart because you found parallels in real life, but you're not given actually in-depth commentary on it. You're just replicating it. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Anyhow, so like that's why I hope everybody who's listening to this watches the show because it is like such a different conversation about indigenous people in this country, like mm -hmm. their experience. I got totally sucked into it. I think it's like fascinating. I'll just say, like, to close it out. So, Sterling Harjo is a showrunner, he's from Oklahoma. He's very intentional across the board about how he tells a story. First and foremost, the entire show is filmed in Oklahoma on a reservation in Native community. They hire as many Native people on the crew behind the camera, just as much as the folks who are writing it and, and in front of the camera. But then also, we don't get preachy. We don't like to be preachy. We don't like to be saying, All right, this, is, this is our commentary on society. It's like really... What is the experience of these kids? Like, let's get down to this experience of what it means to be a native kid in America in rural Oklahoma and let the feels flow from there. So uh, I really do hope folks check it out.
there is a kind of segue here that I wanted to get into a little bit, which is I mentioned before you're an activist and an organizer. Your father, Tom BK Goldtooth, was and I've done I've done my research. I'm not saying like I've been reading up on this for years, but I did some research. He was a founder of the Indigenous Environmental Network. He's a, a well-known figure in the in the activism space. And Avatar is like there not to sorry, not to draw a parallel, but like like there is like James Cameron's also like one of his things is he's trying to be like you know, save the planet or protect, you know, it's like this whole thing about like protecting the ecosystem and being respectful of, you know, mother earth and all this, but you're actually out there doing real world work where, cause we are actually fucking up the real planet we live on. Not what is the, what Pandora? Is that the name of the planet avatar? Yeah. Pandora. Like that's yeah. a, that's a computer generated planet. You can fuck it up really all you want, but yeah, in the real world, we're, we're actually, destroying like the planet we live on while also totally violating communities that have been here far longer than the people who are trying to put a oil a pipeline or whatever through their land. And I've listened to some podcasts with you. I've read some stuff and, and you talk a lot about joy and the kind of joy of activism and organizing and how you have to kind of go into that stuff in a way where it isn't just about doom and gloom. It is like about like seeing the possibilities and the, the potential but like also, not to be a, a downer on this shit, but like it feels like the potential and the possibilities are getting like crushed at every at every angle. So tell me about like the experience of trying to kind of get people working towards a better tomorrow, like a better version of this planet we live on in the face of governments and corporations and and just a general sense of like the apathy from a lot of the people like how, how do you do that and 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 are you still doing it do you feel like that's still a big part of yeah like what you do right now that's a good it's a good question sorry that's a, a kind of wide-ranging yeah um i struggle with it that's the thing is i'm not here to be the cheerleader richard simmons like it's gonna be okay you guys let's just focus on the good stuff now like hey People have a right to be angry. People have a right to be afraid and anxious and have an anxiety. People have a right to have rage. And I'm not here to police that, but I am here as an individual to, in my own journey, try not to get stuck in the muck that is climate anxiety. Like, man, it's been hard. I got burnt out like so many times, especially the past few years. And I, I on a personal level, like, I'm transitioning out of my work as an organizer and going into this new realm as a writer, as a performer. And a part of that is because I, yeah, I burnt out. I struggled with my own mental well-being because it's the writings on the wall in many ways, right? Where the path that we're on. And I do feel at times like, I don't know if we have what it takes collectively as the human race to steer the ship in the other direction where it needs to go. But with that being said, like, I refuse to give in to that. I still actively choose to find joy in the work that I do in the world I am and also put joy into what I want to build. And, and not to like beat the, the, the horse or the dead horse over the head or whatever the euphemism is, like going back to Avatar and the issues I have with it. <laughs> it's all, it's all tied into Avatar. It's all, all tied. It's all connected. It's, it's all, all connected. connected. But. <laughs> Avatar 2 made $2 billion, right? $2 billion fucking dollars. How much, and how much, I don't know how much money it cost them to make it. Like, I imagine at least less than 2 billion. billion. I can tell you less that. than 2 billion, but it's still <laughs> yeah. a lot of money. Let's yeah. say, even if you start with $200 million, 
You have $200 million to build a world, a future, a, a, an entire universe where we did not fuck up the planet, where we did not kill indigenous peoples, where we are actually living a life that's far different than this. And yet you choose this story. Like, I think that's where I want to put my energy into. And as an organizer and as a storyteller is I want to actively put my energy into radically imagining a future in which I can exist on my own terms and that my people and my community can exist on our own terms in a way that's in line with our principles as native peoples, as Dakota peoples, but in line with our principles, just being good relatives to each other. So that's where I find my passion. That's where I find my drive to encourage myself, but to also embolden others to radically imagine that future. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like, actually, when you put it that way, like, to your point about Avatar, if you can choose to tell a story and you can tell a story to to a larger group of people that does imagine that, it's like, again, I don't want to take away anything from activists and organizers, but, you know, what exists in pop culture is, is a powerful tool, right? Like, what exists in our shared sort of storytelling is really powerful. And you're talking about, like, can we make the $2 billion movie that imagines like the better version or the different version or tells the different story, which I think is maybe we haven't gotten there yet, but we could mm -hmm. get there. And there aren't maybe enough people trying. Our world is built on stories. Our entire existence, our society is nothing but stories in myth, right? What's currency? Currency is nothing but a story that we all agree upon and say, this has value. These things have value. What is the concept of gender? You know, these are all stories. Yeah. And it is the meta narrative, those subliminal messages that are implanted in society that's keeping the current structure that is oppressing many for the benefit of a few that really is the problem. And so, like, by countering those messages, by, by chipping away at the story, by saying, hey, actually, yeah, those, what are the goblins of Hogwarts? <laughs> like, you may not understand it, but, right. but folks, who have been characterized in that way, they get what that's trying to say. Yeah. We have to be better. We have to try better. And I'm not saying you have to water things down. And I don't, and also I'm not a big fan of quote unquote woke culture. I, I want to allow ourselves to tell stories as we see fit. And we don't have to like give into a super politicized narratives, but the core story we're trying to tell can be different. Got it. I mean, you've got me thinking about all this stuff. We're probably got to wrap up and that's a great place to like kind of end on. But I think that idea of changing the story, it is so true what you just said like that, that we are just living story to story. Mm -hmm. And if we can tell a different one, if we can get the next generation to like hear a different one, it can make a huge difference. Like that's an awesome thought, actually. Like talk about like being optimistic. I think that's the most optimistic <laughs> idea in the world. And you're working on it right now. Like you're doing it mm -hmm. right now. Like you're coming off three hours of sleep and, but working on like writing projects that could be, you know, some, one of those stories or, or the story. So Dallas, I gotta say, this has been an amazing conversation, like a super fucking interesting conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about all this stuff. Before we go, anything you want to plug? Like, um, I mean, obviously we talked about a lot of your projects, but anything you know, the, the standard, follow me on social media. It's Dallas Goldtooth across the map. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Oh, you're on TikTok? Uh, 
Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I'm you on dancing? TikTok. Are you doing dances? I've done some the... dances. I have. Right. I've been known to uh, to be the uncle on TikTok that does some dances. Wow. And yeah, <laughs> folks can follow me and check me out. You know, and the season three, I think, expected to come out for Reservation Dog sometime this fall, 2023. And um, pretty stoked for all of it. I'm so thankful for for you having me on the show. And and uh, yeah, it's been it's been pretty awesome. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks so much. Well, that is our show for this week. And what a show. My goodness. So many topics. So many thought-provoking subjects. I'm, I'm provoked both on a thought level and also on a more visceral kind of body level, which is interesting. But anyhow, we'll be back next week with more What Future... And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far... I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.